Welcome to DevCast. Dev Technology Group has been delivering information technology solutions that enable government missions for 20 years. And this podcast is where we show the inspiration behind our work, as well as technical details of implementing IT systems for the federal government. I'm your host, Will Nichols, and today I'm joined in studio by Sam Hale, a project manager and SharePoint expert here at Dev Technology, for a segment we call Ask Sam. Hey, Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Why don't you just tell us uh, briefly a little bit about yourself, your role here, how long you've been at Dev Technology? Yeah, so as you mentioned, um, I guess I'm a somewhat of a SharePoint expert. I've been in the uh, uh, government space um, providing SharePoint expertise for um, about 10 years. And uh, specifically, I've been at Dev for two years I'm supporting a contract here where we provide SharePoint um, expertise in uh, SharePoint 2016. Um, also in the cloud, and um, part of the team that has recently transitioned um, things from SharePoint 2010 to 2016 to the cloud and to our Azure IaaS instance. So uh, a lot of fun stuff that we've done, um, a lot of great things that we're looking forward to, and it's a pleasure to be uh, part of the podcast today. Great. Well, I think what we're going to do today is we've asked people to call in with some questions about SharePoint that hopefully you can help answer for these folks. How does that sound? Uh, I'll try. <laughs> okay, so first off, we've got a call from Becca. I think this is about SharePoint tools. Hi, Sam. I have a question you may be able to answer for me. Um, there are so many tools in Office 365. So what new tools should I be analyzing and investing time in? Uh, and what tools do they replace? For example, I have been hearing a lot about Power BI, Power Apps, and Flow. So what are the differences between these tools and what are their best uses? Thank you. Yeah, that, so that was about Power BI, Power Apps, Flow, the different tools, how to use them. Okay. Yeah, so first, you know, I want to preface this. I think that there's two um, type of answers to this question, right? So what are the tools uh, that Office 365 has to offer? Um, and then also kind of what do Power Apps, Power BI, and Flow replace? First, um, you know, I definitely want to, say that there's a difference between a commercial version of Office 365 and, um, you know, the government cloud community um, FedRAMP approved certified instance of Office 365. Um, with that being said, having recently gone to a SharePoint conference in um, Las Vegas around May, a um, couple of the, the tools that they touted were, of course, Power BI, um, Power Apps, Flow, and also Microsoft Teams. Um, specifically, to kind of get into those, uh, Microsoft Teams is kind of their new workspace platform. So I know a lot of people have, um, you know, utilized different workspaces in SharePoint in the past, but what this allows you to do is integrate other components. Um, it allows you to create groups on the back end, so your secured mail-enabled groups that you can send out emails to. It automatically establishes that for you. Um, it provides a chat element to it. So I know a lot of people use Skype for Business or Yammer and different things like that. Um, it kind of puts all of that in one central area and allows a team to collaborate successfully on different items that they're working on. Uh, moving into Power BI, it is a very, very powerful tool. Um, I know my team utilizes it a lot. And I'm not going to say it necessarily replaces anything, um, but if it if it were to replace something, 
when you go to the cloud, um, SSRS um, or SQL Service reporting services is not enabled in the cloud. So uh, one of the things that Microsoft is touting is the utilization of Power BI. It also integrates very well with a lot of different systems, applications. Um, again, it doesn't replace Excel because you can still utilize that as a component and then you can also integrate seamlessly with Excel to generate reports. But it's just a powerful tool that allows you to connect to your different platforms, your different data sets, and pull in the data that you're looking for and be able to drill down to the information that provides your clients, um, your organization, um, a great way of reporting metrics, whether it be a pie chart, um, a bar graph, or even in certain instances, um, a heat map. So uh, our team has found a lot of great uses for it. And um, it's definitely something that I think every organization, if you're moving into the cloud, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the cloud, you can also get this as a standalone on your desktop, uh, should definitely take an interest in. Moving into Power Apps and Flow, Power Apps is uh, Microsoft's way of kind of getting out of InfoPath. InfoPath, um, as many people know, is something that can be done again on the client side or um, actually as a web-based server front end within SharePoint, um, which kind of gives a nice little cool interface to a SharePoint list. And then if you want to customize it outside of that, it allows you to make some nice little data connections, set up conditions and actions. Uh, you can connect it to various different SharePoint lists. Um, it has a GUI type of interface which allows any developers to customize uh, certain instances, make certain drop-downs, certain sections, things that you normally wouldn't see in an out-of-the-box SharePoint form. Uh, Power Apps allows you to do all of that and more. Um, it also integrates with seamlessly with uh, Flow, which is um, another cool tool that Microsoft has brought out. And it's again, it doesn't necessarily replace anything. It just provides kind of a central, um, you know, consolidated platform where you can connect your power apps where your developers go in there and customize their forms to flow which allows you to get on the back end and create uh, custom workflows custom actions custom conditions that are a little bit different than what you would get in sharepoint designer fantastic well becca i hope that answers your question let's take another one now let's see hi sam a lot of people do not like SharePoint. How do I get them to like it? Oh, that's a there's a big question. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, we we hear that a lot in the SharePoint space. Um, one of the things that we've recently been looking into is how to make SharePoint not look like SharePoint. And I think um, as you transition and as organizations transition to uh, SharePoint Online and the Office 365 suite that's being um, utilized in the cloud, you'll get an opportunity to see some of the modern interfaces that are uh, being um, you know, deployed at your disposal. A lot of people are used to the classic version of, of SharePoint, and I've recently done some research just on kind of the beginning um, phases of what SharePoint was, and obviously when it was first stood up, it was a repository to store documentation. Um, now it's expanded into a more collaborative platform. Um, it enables a lot of different customization 
And then with Microsoft and Office 365, adding all these additional applications and features, such as Sway, which is a cool new um, kind of PowerPoint presentation on steroids instance, um, videos, you can add channels, uh, Teams, Power Apps, Power BI, Flow, all these great tools. Um, it's starting to become its own little ecosystem where your team can um, you know, collaborate and you know, share and do video chats through Skype, through business, all these different components which can help optimize your uh, team's performance but also optimize the user interface and the action um, that in the interaction between your platform and your resources and your respective end users. So I would say that, uh, that there's a lot of great things coming um, with SharePoint. And if you're interested, definitely reach out to some of the great resources that we have within the company. And um, we can definitely provide demos, um, provide specific examples of how um, transitioning to a much more modern version of SharePoint can extend the capabilities and optimize uh, client performance and uh, end user utilization. Now, another question. Let's see. Um... This is from Jackie. I'm just going to read this one from email. My agency is using SharePoint 2010. What do we need to do to prepare to move to the cloud? Do we need to upgrade to SharePoint 2013 first? Yeah, what's the upgrade path for SharePoint, and especially if you want to go to a cloud cloud version? Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good question because I've actually had the opportunity of working on uh, a team that has modernized an environment from SharePoint 2010 and we took the route of SharePoint 2010 to 2016. Um, in doing so, when we went to 2016, I will get a little bit of technical here, but we moved it to 2013 first. We did our visual upgrades. We ensured that different content types and um, errors were resolved. And then we moved it to SharePoint 2016. From there, um, we took a, a look again at the environment. And once you get the SharePoint 2016, there's a lot of different tools that you can utilize to modernize, to get your uh, platform and your team modernized for the cloud. Um, the 2010 to 2016 move was the more of the native approach, right? So detach, reattach of your databases, looking into your site collections, your URLs, your size quota. One of the main things that people don't think about and that we've done, I feel like we've done a great job with, is assessing our environment and getting rid of the old data that's been on there for years, right? So a lot of times we have these site collections that are stood up and they have all these sites and all of this data and you get into these conversations with business owners and they never want to get rid of their data. They might have been there for seven years and they haven't touched it or they might have a site collection or a subsite that they haven't touched and they never want to get rid of it. Well, sometimes we kind of take that into our own hands and we've deleted them and help kind of push them along. Uh, I found that that was very, very important and obviously proper communication with any of your stakeholders within your environment is key. Uh, we definitely had a lot of back and forth and support um, directly with our Microsoft rep reps. So that was a great opportunity for us to learn um, some of the great things and tools to utilize to get us uh, to a stable, um, you know, stable, consistent platform that would enable us for a smooth transition to SharePoint 2016 in preparation for moving to the cloud. Um, 
Once we got there, another thing that we took into consideration is the different type of tools that are out there. So again, when I had an opportunity to recently go out for the SharePoint conference in uh, in Las Vegas, we had an opportunity to speak with um, ShareGate. Uh, at the time, Microsoft was utilizing Content Matrix as their tool of choice uh, to migrate data, and we've had multiple licenses spent thousands and thousands of dollars on those licenses and we found it to be useful but the interface of the the tool itself the moving of the data the errors and things that we ran into um, caused a lot of problems for us did it help us did it help us transition yes were we looking for something better of course um, we have strict deadlines we have mandates uh, we have government pms that uh, want things done and they want them done now but they also want them done with accuracy. So in doing so, we recently acquired ShareGate. And uh, I can just say from experience of moving and migrating content from SharePoint 2016 to our, uh, our cloud instance, it's been um, a very, very great transition. The tool itself is faster. The user interface is a lot easier. And the pricing is a little bit better as well. Um, and this has allowed for multiple members on our team to gain an understanding of how to move content from um, an on-prem instance to a cloud instance, which is great. So a lot of people are learning about the technology and we're using the latest and greatest that Microsoft has to offer. Um, there are also other instances of how to move data from 2016 um, or 2010 to the cloud. Uh, but you would have to work directly with Microsoft. They have a fast track program, which I know some agencies have been involved in that allows them to kind of utilize Microsoft resources to do the data move for them. Um, on our end, we had an infrastructure team and an engineering team supporting us. So we took it upon ourselves to utilize our own team resources. And it was a great way for our team to, one, you know, gain a better understanding about the technology and moving content from you know, different version of SharePoint uh, to the cloud, but it also built team camaraderie. Um, just kind of some of the examples, we would work over the weekend. So we had different waves. And again, the coordination and the logistics is one of the huge things that people overlook. They just want to look at the data and the content and how's the quickest and fastest way to get there. But again, I, I, I won't understate this, that coordination with business owners, coordination with your team, um, getting everybody on board, um, and making sure you have the proper documentation in place, smoke test, um, UAT testing, um, proper um, URL switches, which we call F5. All of those things are very, very important. And, um, you know, our team worked over the weekends and we collectively did it together and it was a team effort. We got everybody involved. And still to this day, we're doing migrations to the cloud um, where everybody is intimately involved with what we're doing, how we're doing it, and uh, it's it's been great. So what are some of the considerations to move to the cloud? Or what are some of the advantages for uh, business owners moving to the cloud? Yeah, so one of the so one of the main things that we found and it's it's important for us is stability of the platform, right? So when you're in an on-prem situation, uh, depending on your subscription that you have with Microsoft, um, in our instance, we have an inf infrastructure and engineering team. Um, they're responsible kind of for the around-the-clock 
um, updates, patching, security, um, compliance with your, you know, whichever agency, um, ensuring stability of the platform, ensuring, you know, backups and support, redundancy, all of that good stuff that normally needs to happen. Um, so if there's something that happens at three o'clock in the morning and for some reason one of our end users or stakeholders in our environment is online, whether they're in California or they're in Washington, D.C., somebody's getting a phone call, somebody's waking up out of their sleep and somebody's fixing it. One of the things that happens when you move to the cloud, and again, it depends on your subscription, but I could talk to the one that we have, um, all of that is being taken care of by Microsoft. You see a site go down and there it's not loading the way that you want. You click a refresh button and then at an instant it's back up for you. Um, it provides a great stability so there isn't any downtime. Um, and also you get updates pushed to these different applications that are available to you by Microsoft as opposed to your infrastructure team having to push them. So there's a lot of other things that happen behind the scenes. But the most important thing that we find is the stability in the platform and making sure that our features, applications, systems, all of that good stuff are available for our end users when they want it and when they need it, when they're performing their mission critical activities. Let's, let's go to another question from a caller. I've heard that the Office 365 government community cloud does not offer all the same features as the commercial version. What are the differences, and will it eventually include all of the same stuff? That is a good question. Only thing that I can speak to on that is that there is a process uh, for any application to be FedRAMP certified when it's moving to the government community cloud. Uh, again, just speaking on my experience, I know we recently received Microsoft Teams. Um, in our environment, we have Power BI that's available to us. Um, I know that Power Apps and Flow are scheduled to be in quarter four, but again, that just is predicated upon Microsoft working with um, the respective parties and getting things approved and going through a process of getting those applications deployed to our respective environment. Um, so as far as that in the government space, it's a lot rigorous, um, you know, channels of trying to get applications deployed because, of course, they want to make sure that they're secure. Um, they want to make sure that they're accessible. There's a lot of licensing that comes along with it. So a lot of money is being spent from the commercial instance. Um, as you know, with dev, we have uh, based upon our subscription. So depending on which subscription you have, and I think we have one of the largest subscriptions, there's E3, E4, E5. I'm not sure exactly which one we have, but the one that we have, I know for sure, has all of the applications that are um, available to the environment, and we have them at our disposal. So they're not going to have you know Microsoft Videos and Microsoft Sway and um, some of the other things that are available to a stream in the government community cloud because they need to be approved. And first off, they need to make sure it's secure. We have a lot of people trying to, you know, attack our systems depending on which agency you work for, depending on the type of work that you do. Um, and it's important for those things to be approved, to be assessed before they're deployed and made available to anybody in your respective agency. Uh, with commercial instance, 
a little bit different. Your company has the rights, your company has a subscription. So if you have access to it, then it's made available to you, um, which is pretty cool because it gives you an opportunity to test some things out like dynamics, um, you know, and some other things. But uh, yeah, it's it just takes time and it, and it needs to be approved. And, uh, you know, as things come along, they're they're deployed. And then, you know, another thing to look at, too, is when you're working in the government and you get a new application in, there's coordination and then there's a rollout and a launch, right? You don't want all of these solutions being kind of deployed into your environment at one time because you're going to have 50 million people, depending on the agency, depending on how many people are there, asking, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I know recently one of the huge activities that we've taken on and trying to address, it's kind of two-pronged is our governance portal, which outlines um, the different applications, the do's and don'ts to our business owners, to our stakeholders, to our end users. And then also we've coupled that with our training portal, which kind of identifies kind of the, the basics for these different applications that have been rolled out and um, getting the end users and, and stakeholders kind of used to what the new functionality is and how best to optimize it for what they're trying to do. Well, you talked a little bit about the upgrade path for uh, people on SharePoint 2010, but what what makes for a successful migration, maybe from a sort of a higher level perspective? What are some of the things you have to think about? Yeah, a, a successful migration is making sure, obviously, that the, the stakeholders and, and business owners and end users in your environment are comfortable with the new platform, right? So you can easily pick up their data and move it to a new location and say, hey, here is your new environment. Um, this is what you have. But it it doesn't help them if you're not providing them with kind of the basics of, you know, what are the, the key values of moving to this new platform? What are the things to look for? Um, I kind of talked about a little bit on some of the things um, in a previous question that we had on this podcast on, you know, what are some of the differences with SharePoint 2016 and moving to the cloud? So say, for instance, if a person is only using Excel spreadsheets to do a report and they're manually emailing them back and forth to each other um, in whatever SharePoint instance they have, instead of posting them in a collaborative space, well, letting them know about that and showing them how to optimize those things, right? Looking into instances of where the new platform can help, um, you know, with expansion and adoption of SharePoint, but also looking to successfully get everybody up to speed. Uh, You don't want to be fielding questions from everybody when you move to a new platform. Is it inevitable? Yes. But the better you prepare for that, I think lends itself to a successful um, modernization effort. And then definitely making sure that your team is fully aware of what's going on, making sure they're knowledgeable, because with that moving to a new platform, and kind of mentioned this as well with with governance and, and having training, but making sure your team understands what this new platform encompasses. So when anybody asks them questions, whether it's a direct uh, government PM that, that they're supporting or an end user, they're knowledgeable about what's going on. They can speak to it and they can help provide that service, which ultimately that's all they want, right? As an end user, if I'm being thrusted into a new environment, 
the worst thing that can happen to me is if I ask a question of this team that supposedly is supposed to be experts and moved us to this new location and they can't give me a straight answer or I can't find the answer to my question myself, right? So making FAQs available and just making sure that your team is, uh, is available to support is, is definitely main things to help you with uh with transitioning and a successful and then also obviously getting the data there and and making sure it's up and running and functional i know for instances we have custom applications that we've built and as we transition them throughout different platforms and into the cloud uh, some of those customizations might have broke so making sure we have teams and members available to make sure that those applications are fully functional and again providing that support to those business owners is key to having a successful migration. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of this comes from the leadership that's involved. In, a, in other words, if, you, if you've gotten used to emailing that Excel spreadsheet around for the last nine years that you've been doing it, and now you're asked to store it in a, a, a shared workspace somewhere, you have to, you have to know why you're doing that, that that is the way we're going to, and being held accountable, you know, for, for not emailing it any, anymore. And that really comes down to education, leadership, giving people the reason, a good reason why this might be a better way, being able to justify that. I, I totally agree. And, and that's a key component of effective change management, right? So properly educating your team and properly educating your respective stakeholders and, and showing the benefits of why moving to this platform um, is better and, and helping them optimize things lends itself to that. And I, I totally agree with you. Well, Sam, thanks for coming in today. I hope our listeners have really enjoyed this. I've learned a lot about SharePoint and migration and uh, look forward to having you back on the show again. Do you have any other comments, anything else you wanted to say about, about uh, SharePoint? Uh, no, I um, again, I thank you and I appreciate uh, the opportunity of being on the podcast and uh, look forward to many more and hopefully we'll have some more questions coming in in the future. That's great. Thanks for coming in, Sam. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of DevCast. Thank you to Sam Hale and thank you for listening. By the way, dev technology is growing and hiring for a variety of positions, including DevOps engineers, SharePoint, Java, and database developers, system engineers, and more. To learn about life at Dev Technology and to view full job listings, visit devtechnology.com careers. We've been rated as a top workplace by the Washington Post for five years in a row based on employee surveys. That's right. It's just a great place to work. Here's what Karen Talley Mead had to say about how she ended up at Dev Technology. Sitting in the interview with them and hearing about how they put uh, the clients and employees first, and it just seemed really genuine to me. And I believed them, and so that's why I accepted the job. And to this day, it still holds true. Now, be sure to follow Dev Technology on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to see the most recent job openings and blog posts from our subject matter experts, and just to see some of the fun stuff our employees are up to around the office.